You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, diffieford.net, and then on Instagram at diffiefordlincoln. And let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike and here, host, back with another episode down in Oklahoma City today. Uh, usually, I don't like coming to downtown Oklahoma City because parking can be a nightmare. However, the place I'm at today is great parking. I was thrilled <laughs> when I pulled in. Uh, but I am at Calm Waters uh, to talk with Executive Director Erin Engelke about the amazing things that you do at Calm Waters. Um, but before we do, uh, what's your story? Tell me a little bit about you. Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's just going to be fun to get to talk about all things related to Calm Waters. Um, well, I am uh, actually not a native Oklahoman. Um, but I consider myself an Okie now because I've lived here long enough. But I was born in Florida, raised in Idaho, moved here a long time ago to go to college, uh, got a degree in public relations and advertising, and uh, quite frankly, thought that I was going to rise the corporate ladder um, and do the PR thing. And I did that for a, a short period of time after college, um, worked in corporate and agency, uh, that space. And then quite frankly, one day I just had this realization that I was meant to do something more with the skills and abilities that I had been gifted. And, um, to be frank, when I was in college, doing nonprofit work was not the sexy thing. That was like, oh, honey, that's what you do if you can't find anything better <laughs> to do with your life. And so uh, I really had never fully considered working in the nonprofit space, but I just had, again, this nudge within me that said I needed to do something different. And so um, an opportunity presented itself for me to work for an international development agency here in the city called World Neighbors. And that was my kind of foray into the nonprofit world. And I've never looked back. It's been such a gift to be in this space and to be able to be closely connected to a mission and to be able to see the work firsthand and, and honestly see people's lives changed. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Oklahoma, uh, Florida, Idaho, what brings you to Oklahoma? So I attended Oklahoma Christian University in Edmond, 
And uh, like I said, I moved, you know, moved here all the way from Idaho, fully anticipating that I was going to move back to the Northwest. My husband is also from Washington and Oregon. So we both were our Northwesterners, I guess you could say. And, and so we were like, yeah, we'll do this university thing. We'll graduate and then we'll move back. And before we knew it, we were deeply connected in the community here and in, in our church community ended up having kids and now here we are, you know, so uh, we don't see ourselves ever leaving this special yeah. place. Just this community is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Did you guys meet in college? You know what? My husband and I met uh, before we came to college. We dated long distance for about a year. Again, he was living in Washington. I was in Idaho. Um, so this, this predates like email, social media. So um, you can envision a lot of letters with stamps, you know, these things that most people don't know about and high phone, like long distance phone calls also. Uh, but we dated long distance and then he was already in college. I made, uh, I had a number of uh, college offers and flew down to Oklahoma to visit the university here because they had a great communications program and really liked it. So flew back, I called Jason, my, my then boyfriend and said, Hey, look, I have decided that I'm moving to Oklahoma. I don't know what you're doing, but this is what I'm doing. And he didn't miss a beat. And he said, Oh yes, that's where I'm transferring. (laughs) (laughs) And he like hung up the phone, picked it back up and called the admissions office and was like, I don't know what I got to do, but I got to go to college here because I got to follow this girl. So followed me here and we got married in college and the rest you could say is history. So what, what kind of in high school at a young age thinks makes you think I want to do PR and and communications? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I honestly, um, when I was in the fourth or fifth grade, uh, I would say I was pretty timid. My mom um, really was my motivator. She inspired me to do things beyond what I thought that was possible for me. So I had a project at the time um, where I needed to research this long um, standing family in our community called the Montgomery family. And they had put in a ferry years ago. And so I needed to do this history project. Well, it was difficult to find much about this family. And so my mom said, well, tell you what, why don't you look in the phone book and see if you can call the matriarch? And I was like, I am not going to call. I'm like fourth grade. Like I am not going to call some random woman that I don't know. And she's like, yes, you are. So opened up the phone book, found this woman's name and number. I remember crying before this. I was like, mom, I can't do this. And she's like, yes, you can. What's the worst she can do? You know, it's just say, I don't want to talk to you. So I pick up the phone. I call her shaky voice, like not sure how I'm going to handle this. And this woman was lovely. You know, she was in her 80s. Like what a special thing, this fourth grade girl calling her. So ended up having this beautiful experience, realized it's not as difficult as I think it's going to be. Um, and that I am capable of doing so much more than I can even imagine. And so from that point on, then I just really kind of delved into communications and writing. And I used to speak at Lions Clubs and I was in 4-H and we had programs where we would um, do a program at the Capitol um, where we got to experience like the judicial system, the legislative system, but then also do like broadcast journalism. And so, oh, I loved that. I was like, oh, yes, I want to be in front of the camera and report on all the things. And so for a while, I thought I would do broadcast journalism and then realized I really enjoyed being a little bit behind the scenes and helping to see some of those things develop, but also still have the opportunity to be in front of the camera too. So, 
Yeah. That, I mean, thanks to mum, right? Making yeah. Making phone call. Oh know? my gosh. Game changer. Yeah, that's right. And obviously like, you know, I'm not surprised a sweet old lady at yeah. the other end too. It's just <laughs> right, like, right. wow, like, you know, she probably doesn't get many phone calls no. from, from fourth grade, you know, girls asking questions, which is probably a highlight of her day. Uh, so come to Oklahoma Christian, have a great time there. Were you, did you do anything else at Oklahoma Christian or was it just straight, how many here to get my degree? Well, so at Oklahoma Christian, they have had, had, I should say have, but had a newspaper. And so um, I worked on the newspapers called The Talon. So I was like features editor for years and years. It eventually became editor in chief. And so that really was kind of my thing. I loved that. Um, Got to do a lot of writing and then just production and seeing that journalistic process. Um, But I did travel abroad. My husband and I, we had an opportunity to study abroad, which again, I really just shifted a lot of perspectives for myself and um, just about life in general and how much bigger this world is than what we know Mm -hmm. and how important it is to be connected to that. And so got to live in Japan and Australia, um, studied in Hong Kong and New New Zealand, I mean, kind of all over the place. And so really shaped, I think kind of led the way for me to honestly move into the nonprofit space as well. Yeah. Have you been back? You know what? We have not been back. Okay. Um, we do love to travel though. My parents ended up moving to Albania when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And so we had an opportunity to go to Albania and do some refugee work there. It was during the yeah. Kosovar crisis. So we, we love to travel and do those kinds of things again, just because it's so important to yeah. be exposed to different cultures and people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been to Japan once. I'd, okay. I'd love to go back um, because I went for golf and I didn't really. Oh, it was yeah. like hotel golf course. It oh, wasn't, right. You know, we went out for food a little bit, but it wasn't exploring. I'd yeah. love to go. Well, we've it. lived with a family, a host yeah. family. And I mean, wow, like we know what life is like, you know, day to day. And tatami mats and the, you know, traditional Eastern style toilets and, you know, just everything. And we, I have some wild stories. So that's for another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of buttons. Let's just say yeah. that in the toilets. Yeah, that's right. They're uh, it's like an iPad. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was when I was there. Yes. Uh, so you come back to university and you're graduating and you're thinking like when when did you decide? Hey, it's probably we're going to stay here in Oklahoma. We don't want to go back home. When does that switch yeah. for you? Well, I actually got a job before I graduated, so um, I, it kind of just naturally happened yeah. that I was like, well, I'll just go ahead and get a job and we'll kind of figure out this, this whole life thing, mm-hmm. you know, outside of college, make some money, buy our first house, those kinds of things. Um, and there just really wasn't anything that was pulling us back necessarily. My parents had moved at that point. Um, my husband's parents were still where he grew up, but he didn't necessarily want to move there. So it just, there wasn't really a, a yearning at that point. Um, and so, yeah, it's yeah. just interesting how life works out that way. Right. What was that first job? So my first job was at MidFirst Bank. Okay. Yeah. So I worked in the corporate marketing department there and it wasn't a traditional PR job, which kind of, you know, was a little uncomfortable for me because that's what I really wanted. But it was honestly one of the most beautiful ways that I was able to start to develop relationships with people. And to the to this day, I still have relationships with a lot of the banking center managers and um, learned a lot of just 
a lot about people and relationships mm-hmm. and um, about traditional marketing, which was, I think, has served me well over my career. Yeah. Well, and you're also starting out at a, at a bank and a, a company that's very community centered, right? Yes. You see Mid- MidFirst doing things all, all the community over the place. Too, yeah. Which is amazing because, you know, that you probably didn't, you know, looking back on it, that leads somewhat leads you to where you are today. It absolutely did. But so, so you're at MidFirst, you're, you know, first job out of college, um, trying to buy the first house and, yeah. and, you know, putting your feet on the ground, starting a family, all those things. Uh, where do you go from there? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So after I was at MidFirst Bank, I moved to an, an ad agency, one of the oldest ad agencies mm-hmm. in, in town called Smith & Associates. It's now changed its name. But I was director of PR there. And so I had a ton of clients. One of my favorites was B.C. Clark Jewelers. Everybody knows the B.C. Clark jingle, yeah. right? The, um, during the holidays. Um, wonderful family. Loved loved my experience with them. But then had a lot of other clients, too. And I learned the value of becoming an expert on a lot of different topics because I represented a lot of different kinds of industries. Um, but that was the point in time when I had that light bulb moment that I am meant to do something more. And it was also a time in my life where I was really struggling. My husband and I had been trying to have kids for some time and were unsuccessful. So years of infertility, um, I lost four babies to miscarriage during that time. And it was a really difficult period of my life. Um, struggled with uh, a lot of depression. I distinctly remember weekends where I struggled to get off the couch because I just didn't, I just couldn't. Um, And I'm a naturally very upbeat, glass is half full kind of person. Let's go do all the things. And I couldn't do all the things. And I remember one day I was driving to the ad agency. And again, I loved my clients and I, I, I liked the work, but there was something missing. And I think that I, because I had lost so many babies, I'd lost life. I appreciated life so much more than I ever realized. And so I wanted to make sure that the way I was spending my life was doing something to help someone else. Mm -hmm. And so that really was the turning point in in the sense of my career and getting to a place where I really wanted to see other families, individuals like myself and others thrive. Yeah. So you go back to work and you're thinking, hang on, I'm looking for new opportunities. How do I put my skill set to somewhere that I could really add value or not add value because you're already adding value, yeah. but <clears throat> add value in a way that also ticks your boxes as well? Yeah. Well, so, uh, you know, as, as it turned out, there was a, I was looking at job listings and there was a, an international nonprofit again called World Neighbors that had, um, a job opportunity doing just like your website development, PR, kind of all the things that I knew how to do, but it was for an organization that was very large, like worldwide. And so I was a little intimidated by it, but I was like, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go for it. So I distinctly remember when I walked into the building for the interview, it just felt so right. Um, The space was actually architecturally designed to mirror a village where the organization worked. And so because of my international travel, I was like, why does this feel so right? Ah, and so... um, 
ended up obviously getting that job and it was a turning point for the organization. They had just hired their first female CEO and she was a change agent. She um, had identified that the organization needed a separate marketing and communications department. They'd never had that before. Um, And so shortly after I started, I think it was literally like four weeks after I started, I found out I was pregnant with our son. And it was a very beautiful moment, right? Just, I was like, oh my gosh, I found this job. I'm, you know, successfully carrying um, a pregnancy, going to have, you know, a baby. Um, And the organization decided to hire a, a vice president of marketing and communications. Well, I'm the type that <clears throat> always likes to look at opportunities as, you know, like, just go for it, right? Kind of like what my mom said, like, you're capable, like, get after it. Because I never want to ask myself the question, well, what if? Well, what if I had gone for it? And so I went home to my husband. And I was like, I mean, there's this VP position, but I'm so young. I don't even think that they would consider me. And he was like, you just got to go. You just got to try it for it. And I'm like, but I'm pregnant. You know, all the things, all the things that you're like, this isn't going to happen for me. And so I went ahead and applied. They did a national search. So they flew people in from around the nation for this interview process, interviewed me, which I thought, well, that's just nice of them. How kind, you know. (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, I'm like, you know, six months pregnant. So they all knew. Aaron's going to have a baby at some point. So um, they brought the board in. I had to like do all this extra work for the interview process. Um, So I get a call from the HR director one day and she's like, Aaron, we would like to meet. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is that meeting where they're like, oh, Aaron, thank you so much. We really appreciate you applying for this great job, but we've decided to go a different direction. That is not at all what they said. They were like, Aaron, you are the perfect person for this position. Out of everybody we interviewed, you stood out and we want you. And I was like, wait, what? You know that I'm pregnant. <laughs> you know that I'll be leaving on maternity leave. I'm really young. Are you sure? Are you sure? And they were like, yes, we're positive. And so it was just an incredible opportunity to be um, trusted and believed in when I wasn't even so sure of myself. Um, and so I built out this program, rebranded the organization, was able to travel extensively internationally, um, actually traveled when my son was six months old, which that's that's a whole other podcast to talk about how difficult that is, um, to like remote areas of Guatemala. Um, but anyway, so just an incredible experience there. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's amazing, right? And you, like I said, you go back to what your mom said. Just, yeah. Just go for it. Like Go for it. You never know. You know, and the worst they're going to say is no. Okay, great. Okay. You know, with trying. Shoot, I'll move on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, didn't think I'd get it anyway. Right. Right. With trying. Right. You know, and you get that and and that then puts you into the nonprofit world. Right. Big time. At the deep end with a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Quite literally. Yes. Yeah. But I was so well supported. And I think that the CEO, like I said, she was a female. She appreciated family, like family came first. And so I credit her for a lot of my own leadership skills today because I was um, supported in ways that most women and men, quite frankly, are not um, in the workplace. And so I've just carried that theme, Mm -hmm. you know, as I have progressed in a leadership role. Yeah, it's tough, right? When you're, when you put in a leadership role and, and, you know, and under the 
normal quote of leadership you probably haven't had that experience growing up right right? you have been a leader you know in other senses but physically leading a team right and having to hire and fire and all the other things that come with it you know having someone that you can really lean on makes a huge difference especially when you're a woman too absolutely and having someone that believes in you yeah you know, it's one thing to to have somebody who's okay. Well, here's how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to have a, a leader who truly trusts you and believes in you and will pour into you and be intentional um, and present and care about you and know about you. Um, and I'm just incredibly passionate about leadership for that very reason because I think sometimes leaders miss the mark when it comes to investing in their staff. And it really is about intentionality and knowing them and caring about them beyond just the work that they do wherever they're employed. It's about their families and their dogs or their kids or, you know, whatever it is that matters to them and knowing all of, all of those things. Right. Yeah. So tell me about this building and then this organization and everything that we're in today. Oh my gosh. So Calmwaters is such a special place. I love this place. Um, Calm Waters is uh, Oklahoma City's only grief center. So here at um, this space, we sit with children, teens, and adults who have experienced horrendous loss because of death and divorce primarily, but also some other forms of losses as well. And, you know, we've been around for 31 years, and um, it's been a passion of mine to, to just get the message out more broadly about who we are and what we do, because, you know, the, the truth of the matter is all of us will experience grief and loss at some point in our lives. It, it's not something that discriminates. It doesn't matter how much money you make or where you grew up or color of your skin. We're all going to experience it. And so um, we exist for literally everyone. And it is an honor to be able to walk alongside people as they struggle to do life after loss. Um, And so we do that through three main programs. We offer free support groups here at our center, um, again, for death and divorce. We have a wonderful partnership program with schools across the metro um, where we work with goodness, well over 46 schools providing free support groups to children pre-K all the way through high school. And then we have a relatively new program um, where we provide grief counseling services. And so that has been a program that has just expanded greatly, um, in large part, I think, just because of the continued conversations around mental health mm-hmm. and the, you know, just reduction of the stigma of that and how important it is to get to get therapeutic help when needed. And so, um, yeah, I, I mean, typically in a year, we'll serve more than 6,000 children um, and, and adults, uh, a lot of families. We, I love that we get to serve the whole family, um, not just children and not just adults, but everyone. And so when folks come to our support groups, we're all, they're all talking about the same topic. So our curriculum is written by our in-house um, team of therapists. And so each night of group, we cover a different topic. It could be shame or anger, any number of things. And so the kids are talking about it in a developmentally appropriate way in one of the therapy rooms. And the adults are also talking about it. So then when everyone goes home at night, what happens? They have conversations and they get to continue that and implement some of those things at home. Yeah, it's... uh it can be tough, right? Having those conversations mm-hmm. and having those conversations with your parents because they don't know how you're feeling. They don't know what right. you're dealing with at school. And I mean, even me, like, oh, and us having a conversation, you know, we're going to see things differently. But then us having a conversation with someone or your kids or someone who's in, you know, 
super young in school, looking at all the stuff they're dealing with on social media right. and the anxiety that that builds up. I mean, I had a conversation with friends at dinner last last Friday, and they have two daughters. Um, you know, one's almost learning, one is learning to drive, and the other one's a little younger. I'm like. I couldn't imagine what it was like. It was easy for me growing up <laughs> right? in the 90s, you know. I didn't have a phone, yeah. right? Like, there was no Facebook. Right, <laughs> It was yeah. just No know, Snapchat, no Snapchat. TikTok. Like, go play outside, right? <laughs> right. But, you know, and maybe you had the jealousy of your friend because they had a new bike, yeah. you know. There was no, like, you know, this is what the perfect world looks like and it's not what people's world looks like. It's what they want you to think it, it looks right. like, right? The whole right. social media thing, but... And then, yeah, the whole parents, too, trying to live up to that. It's, right. There's a lot of pressures. Yeah. Yeah. And when, when life alters because of, of a death or even divorce, you know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times families, parents try to do their very best, but they're grieving. Their kids are grieving. They don't know how to help their kids. Their kids, so a lot of times we see kids try to protect the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is truly a safe, non-judgmental space for kiddos to sit alongside kids that are feeling the same things that they are is we see these aha moments all the time of like you feel that way too I do too like it's just such a beautiful thing to normalize a lot of these emotions and help adults and kids alike to realize they're not alone because a lot of our families who come here feel like they're crazy I mean sometimes they say that like I'm surely I'm the only one that feels this way and we're like Come to group. We promise you, you will connect with other yeah. families who understand. Yeah. You mentioned there's kind of three areas, mm-hmm. um, support groups, schools, and the counseling side of things. Can you unpack what you mean? we got time. So if you want to yeah. dive into all of those and tell people listening that, you know, as much information as you want, because I'm sure there's someone listening that may need your help. And Absolutely. Even if it's not today, whenever they listen to this podcast, it might be, you know, Absolutely. might help someone. So. Yeah. So really at uh, the core of our programs, as I mentioned, are our support groups. And I first want to emphasize that they're completely free. And I love that uh, because when someone goes through a, a loss, the last thing that they need to be thinking about is how do I, how do I get, how do I pay to get help? Um, and so thankfully, because of the support of this wonderful community, we're able to offer our support groups for free. Uh, but it's honestly a pretty simple process when, you know, when someone decides that they're ready to come to our support groups and everybody's journey is very different. So we don't, we don't tell people when they can come to our groups and when they can't, it's just every, when, when they decide the time is right. But they just register through our website and um, we give them, you know, detailed information about what to expect at group and learn a little bit more about their story. Why are they coming and how old are their kids, etc. And then we place the kiddos in a developmentally appropriate group. And then similarly for the adults, when it comes to death anyway, we divide them out by type of loss. And so this is a really special thing. We are able to divide adults out by like child loss. Um, we have a suicide loss group. Um, we have a parent loss, spouse or partner loss. We even have an anticipatory loss group. And this is for individuals who maybe have a family member that has received a terminal diagnosis and they're already grieving. So their loved one is still alive, but they're anticipating the the death. And so we have a really special group for those individuals. Um, Quite frankly, right now, the largest groups that we have are child loss groups and 
as a mom, there's, I mean, I, I cannot fathom anything worse. Um, but we have so many people coming for child loss that we've actually had to divide them into two separate groups based on age of the child. Um, and I mean, you know, we have, we have situations that would just, you know, break your heart, you know, individuals who've lost children because of a sudden bacterial meningitis, um, situation or, you know, suicide and, you know, just you name it. And, but the beautiful thing is that when they sit in these groups, they're able to create a new family with individuals who, who, who get, who get what they're, they're feeling and experiencing for kids. This is like the place. If for some reason a guardian or a parent cannot bring their kiddo to calm waters, we have heard audibly kids say, I have to go. Like I will even do calm waters at home because I love it so, so much because it is again, that, that's that space where they can just be free to feel what they need to feel and not be judged for it. And so we have three child therapy rooms on our support group nights. We have a movement room that really encourages kids to move their bodies in a way to process their emotion, an art therapy room, which is the space for kids to be able to articulate how they feel without ever using a word, right? Just using art. And then we have a play therapy room where kids can actually act out what they have seen, felt, and experienced during their journey, their grief journey. Um, so that's that's really kind of the, the sum, summary of our support groups. I will say that all of our support groups are facilitated by community volunteers that have been trained by our staff. And we couldn't do our programs without our volunteers. They're amazing. A lot of them have benefited from our services and have decided they now want to serve others like them. Uh, we're always looking for more volunteers. So shameless plug, if anybody's ever interested in, you know, just really creating a beautiful connection with families who've experienced loss. This is the, this is the place to do that. Um, our school support groups. I mean, this is, these are also incredible because we're meeting the kids where they already are in school. So they have an opportunity to, you know, step away for 40, 45 minutes once a week for nine weeks and, yeah, get to process their emotions, understand what their emotions are, that they're okay, and here's some safe ways of managing those emotions um, when they have triggering events. Yeah. How you mentioned the the Calm Wars has been around for 31 years. Yeah. How's it evolved in 31 years to where it is today? Oh, wow. Well, like I said, we started as just an entity to provide only support groups. But as the community has changed, as the awareness of mental health support has changed, the demand for our services has changed and grown exponentially. So I came here almost five years ago. And we have changed quite dramatically since then. Um, We have moved to a new location in, you mentioned downtown Oklahoma City. Yes, parking is great. We're in a great, great location. We occupy three suites down here. We've actually recently even expanded to a third suite just in the last couple of months to keep up with the growth. Um, But we also have expanded who we serve. So We're really proud of a brand new program that we have in partnership with Oklahoma County Detention Center, where we are specifically serving men and women who are currently incarcerated. We know that for particularly the roughly 1,500 men and women that are currently detained there, they're experiencing grief and loss 
of some sort, whether they've lost a loved one while they've been in, in jail or they're just feeling feelings of grief, of loss of the life that they once had, whatever it may be, um, grief lives in that building. And so we are now the only program provided in the jail around grief support. And it's the first of its kind in the state of Oklahoma, honestly, probably even regionally. And we're serving um, groups of men and women separately. And it's just, it's incredible, mm-hmm. like to see that already the transformation in these individuals. They've told us that this is the first time they've ever had the space to be able to talk about a lot of the things that they have just pushed down over the years. We had one man, uh, one detainee who told us that the reason he ended up in jail was because he lost, his daughter died and he was never able to manage and cope with that loss. And so he obviously went down a path of, you know, poor choices and, and bad behaviors. And now he's able to recover and heal from that. Yeah. You, you mentioned, you know, obviously the group counseling and stuff like that. What is, you know, I know there are benefits to talking things out loud yeah. <clears throat> and having conversations in groups, but, you know, for people who are listening that we know, but what are like the standalone, standalone benefits of coming in, sitting down? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I get it. It makes total sense. But yeah. for people listening who might not, you know, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Well, so as I mentioned, you know, our support groups have a very different focus than our counseling services. So we have some families who will benefit from both or some who will come to counseling and then eventually roll over to our support groups. Um, but for our support groups, the, the, the key thing there is community. Any kind of traumatic life situation, grief, loss, the, the surefire way to heal from that is community. And we see that time and time again here in our groups. You know, these individuals become lifelong friends because they're united around a similar struggle, a similar trauma. Um, our staff, we read books often, and I meant to bring them in with me, and I forgot to do that, but um, we have a book club here as a staff, and one of the books that we're reading right now is What Happened to You by Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Bruce Perry, and it is a book that I highly recommend anybody read. The key sentiment behind it is that oftentimes in society, when we see somebody misbehaving or making poor choices or whatever it is, we we say, what is wrong with them? When in fact, at their core, there's something that has happened to them that has never been dealt with or addressed, right? Maybe they didn't have a community to process all of that with. Maybe they didn't have a therapist to talk to. And so, you know, we really look through the lens of what happened to our families or these children that we're serving and how can we lift them up either through our support groups or through counseling. And the benefit of counseling, you know, seeing a therapist is that one-on-one, really helping to dig even deeper into the root issues that are causing a lot of the, um, the, the, depression and anxiety and and just cognitive struggles of doing life yeah it's um it makes a huge difference right having Mm -hmm. just having someone to just you know talk to have a soundboard and yeah you know that isn't going to judge you right that isn't going to be close to your family or tell your aunt or whatever it is uh is there any kind of sort of not preventions but like best practices that that you know people listening might parents listening might be like you know Yes, we, you know, maybe we do want to come down, maybe we don't. You know, is there anything that we can do 
before we have to come down mm-hmm. here kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right, because it's a big step to come through these doors. It, we and we absolutely recognize yeah. that. We know that this can be a scary thing. Even sometimes picking up the phone and calling us can be scary. And I first of all want to say that we we are here for you. If you are listening to this and you have struggled each day to get out of bed, please call us because we get it and and we will help navigate walk this journey with you very safely and sensitively um but we also recognize that everybody's grief journey looks very different so a lot of times people will ask us like should i come as soon as we've had the funeral or should i wait a while or and we're not going to tell you when it's right for you. you you know you know when it's right for you um because there's really no timeline on grief we will, I will always and forever grieve the loss of my babies. Uh, that will never go away. And similarly for people who've experienced a death or even a divorce, they will always grieve that. And so we have families who have benefited from our services years ago who have returned because their kids have now grown up, right? And they're developmentally processing the death of dad or mom or whoever it is in a very different way. And that's okay. We will accept people at any in any stage of their grief journey. Um, we also ha- we also encourage people to just give us a couple times. So our support groups meet for nine weeks. So it's every other week on either a Monday night or a Thursday night. And because we recognize it can be scary, like I don't want to go talk in a room full of strangers. You know, that sounds incredibly intimidating. Um, But we just encourage people to give us, you know, two to three sessions. And um, we can assure you that you will find benefit in that. Yeah. Well, and and as as someone who, like yourself, like you've been through this too, you know, so, you know, you relate, right? You know, and you're still going through it, right? You just said it's something that you'll always grieve, you know, the loss of your babies like that. That's something that is never going to leave. Right. Um, but then you have power in knowing that, you know, you were done doing something great, right, in their memory or for them right. or for your <laughs> kids now or for kids who or people who come through the door, right? Absolutely. Like you build strength in that. Yeah. And then it's just translating that power and strength to the people who come through the door and say, you know, like we're all in this together. You can, you know, pick your head up and you can go for that job that you didn't think you were going to get, right? Right. And, and, you know, get out of bed in the morning. And that's the one thing, the one tough part about grief, right, is it it doesn't matter how old you are, Mm -mm. you know? Like, my nan passed in November last Mm -hmm. year. Um, You know, my granddad's, like, he's dealing with it. My aunt's dealing, my mum's dealing. You know, we're we're all dealing with it. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's heartbreaking. But then at the same time, like, you still have a life. You still got to get up and... Yeah, still got to get up and do all the things, Yeah, right? and then provide for your family and... Right. You know, it, it, it can get super stressful. It all adds up. Yeah. And, you know, our, our friends and our family are so well-intentioned, mm-hmm. but they often say the wrong things. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm sure you've heard them. Yeah. And so we love to educate even... You know, those those loved ones who are trying to support someone who's experienced a loss as well on what not to say and what to say or what to do. Um, And, you know, things like don't ever say at least. You know, if somebody shares, oh, my husband of 40 years died. Well, at least you had him for 40 years. 
That is not helpful. No. That's incredibly hurtful, actually, because it minimizes, it diminishes the, the, the grief that that woman is feeling for the loss of her precious husband of 40 years. So we, you know, we, we have a number of those kinds of examples. And again, people mean well, but we often don't know what to say. As a society, we're not comfortable talking about death, but it's reality and it's okay to talk about. Yeah. One of the things that I really try to do when, whenever I have the opportunity to visit with someone and they share their grief story with me, I always am very intentional to ask their loved one's name. And I think that there's power in that because a lot of times people who've experienced a loss feel as though people ignore that the loved one was ever around or ever existed because they worry it will be triggering. It probably will, but they still love that person. That person is still very much alive to them. And so just asking you know, what was your, what were your, some of your favorite memories of your husband, Travis, or wh- whoever it is, you know, um, because they want to talk about their loved one. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're right. It's like having those, you got to keep those memories going. Yeah. Right. And yeah. some people get tattoos and some people right. do other things like, you know, it's just something that keeps that memory going and it does more harm. I, I assume it does more harm. If you bury that, yeah, right. Eventually, that's going to come. It will to, come out. You know, come out, and that's not going to be a good situation. <laughs> Probably isn't going to be very pretty. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it could be a family member at Thanksgiving yeah. saying, like you just said, at least, and then oh. you know, you end up blowing up and ruining Thanksgiving. Right, right, right. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. But, you know, it, but again, you mentioned it's not just death, right? It's divorce yeah. and and loss of any kind. Um, you know, like I can't imagine the the pain of losing a child. Right. You know, like it's. It's awful. It is awful. And, you know, we have a family right now who it's a husband, wife, and they had three kids. And their sweet little seven-year-old boy died of bacterial meningitis. Like, just all of a sudden got sick. Super healthy boy. Went to the hospital. Died with it. I mean, like, just a matter of days. And his younger sister, he and his younger sister were just best friends. And so younger sister is... She's just been wrecked and she couldn't talk about him. She had shut down. She was despondent at school. Um, Mom and dad were grieving very differently. So mom wanted to watch videos of her precious sons, pull out the photo albums. Husband did not want any of it. So they were grieving very differently. So can you imagine a house where everybody's almost feeling isolated under the same four walls? They came to us began attending our support groups and sister is just, she lights up now. She talks about her brother, um, doing great in school, mom and dad, dad comes and shares and is able to open up and share things that he has never even shared with his wife before, but felt so comfortable being able to do that in this space. And so they are very candid to say like it helped their marriage. Um, and got them to a place where they could get up and do life, even though there's days where it still feels very hard, and it will. But they have told us their lives are radically different now because of coming here. Yeah. Yeah, it's special. It makes you want to come to work every day. Yeah, right? it does. It's, yes. Know, it's like I get to do this. <laughs> I get to, to be involved and lead a team that's really, you know, making a difference. Yeah. So it's... Uh, 
it's that's special. It's special to have that because not everyone who goes to work has that you know ability to impact that way. Yes, you know we all make an impact regardless of we think it or not. But to have it you know right in front of you and see those differences and smiling faces and after nine weeks you know there's completely and you've saved the marriage or you know what saved you know another kid's life whatever it is right um that's super super impactful and special so i'm not surprised that you love going to work every day (laughs) right you know just knowing your background um what are you know obviously we're early in the year you know it's we're just got into March. What um, what things are you looking forward to this year? Do you have any big events coming up that you yeah. do or fundraisers? I mean, how do you, how can the community get involved? Oh my gosh, we have one of the funnest events in town. Um, I am not biased at all, but it is called Under the Big Top. It's April twenty first at the Oklahoma City Farmers Market, and it's kind of like a grown ups version of a carnival. So we set up a midway of games like balloon pop basketball we've got like a punch wall plinko we have a wine walk so not a cake walk but a wine walk um we have incredible performers we have a magician an aerialist stilt walkers um uh, incredible food so gourmet carnival food i don't know about you but i personally love like cotton candy and like corn dogs and those kinds of things we have like gourmet versions of all those fun fun foods um, but it's just a, a, an opportunity for the community to come out and have a great time. There's no program, so it's literally just come in, have fun, spend some money, raise raise really important dollars to ensure that we can continue to provide our support groups for free. Yeah. And then finishing up, how has being around Calm Waters and working here for the last five years kind of just developed you know and helped you with your own family and Mm. your own personal life and your own grief and how has that been impactful yeah well I mean absolutely it it, being a part of this space has it's it's honestly like coming to therapy every day (laughs) because I work with a team of therapists so that's a bonus they're incredible um but you know just getting to see the the beautiful progression of the families that we serve is gives me such hope for our community and then when I go home I've I've always appreciated my family but I'm I appreciate them even more right because I realize that tomorrow my family could look different because I see the families that walk in here and one day everything was quote-unquote perfect and the next day it their life was very different yeah. So for, for people listening, how do we have, you know, what are, what is the website? What's the social media? Yeah. Do we have a board that people can apply for a young professionals oh, yeah. board? How can people get involved? Yeah. So, I mean, we have a wonderful website with all the information, including additional resources. If you're grieving is calmwaters.org. Very simple. We are on all the socials. So find us on Facebook and Instagram, LinkedIn, um, and follow us there. Sign up for our e-newsletter. We don't, blow you up on email I, sw- I promise um but we send out really just I- important information that way um and volunteer opportunities are in in that email as well we do have a fabulous board always looking for just passionate people with a heart to serve their community um so they can absolutely just hit me up if yeah. they're interested in board service as well Great. I'll link all of that in the description and also link your email if that's okay. Yeah, please. And people can reach out. Maybe there is a 
a university grad or a high yeah. school grad that's wanting to get involved that you know just wants to make is scared to make the phone call right yeah, you know right, it's you know, right. or send an email so yeah. and we do have a lot of internship opportunities as well so okay. clinical internships um etc and this is a, a wonderful space to learn yeah yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me down here. Thank you for sharing great stories. Yeah. I love what you do. Um, you know, making a real difference. And it's an the sadly is it's an always going to be a need, yeah. right? But the great thing is, you guys are here. You're growing every year. You've been doing it for 31 years. You know this, and and you know you're you're taking over bigger spaces and opening up new things and yeah. things like the thing at the jail, right? Where you you know next year you're going to have something else, right? right and keep right. going and expanding and changing lives. So I don't doubt that that 6,000 yearly number is going to grow yeah. every year. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really appreciate you sharing. I love what you do. And um, for everyone listening, we'll catch you next episode. Thanks so much. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at OklahomaHOF. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and our third sponsor is diffie ford lincoln down in el reno now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine um play a lot of golf together i've bought my cars from them do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.